Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm here with the Athletics' Tony Jones. The 2020 NBA Draft was just a couple of weeks ago, but we are already diving into the 2021 NBA Draft. College basketball is in full swing. NBA scouts are out scouting right now. Part of the enthusiasm, Tony, is that this this draft uh, at the top is is a much more exciting draft than what we saw in 2020. I'm, and Tony... Let's just start by talking about this draft versus the 2020 draft. How good in your mind does this draft look compared to last year's? Well, much better because, I mean, the the obvious difference is where the 2020 draft had um, has uh, a lot of potential rotation players and a lot of potential really good role players, but lacks the top end franchise talent you know we did our grades right and we didn't put anybody in the highest tier um you know i i suspect when we do our grades for this year you know whenever we do them <laughs> um they're going to be multiple guys that we we that that get that get to the highest tier and they're going to be even more um that get that get votes i mean so I mean, there are there are multiple um, franchise talents in this draft. I mean, you know, the obvious one is Kay Cunningham. You know, so many people we talk about Jalen Green a lot, and he's going to be you know relatively under the radar this year because um, because he's going to be in the G League for a year. But you know, also you know Jalen Suggs from uh, Gonzaga. Um, Evan Mobley uh, out of out of USC, um, you know uh, BJ Boston from from Kentucky, Zaire Williams from Stanford, and you know one of my favorites because I really like versatile guys. You know Jalen Johnson uh, out of Duke as well. So you know that's seven guys. I, I said that there were seven guys talking to some NBA scouts and and general managers. It's very early. Um, in the process, and and this is a year too where we may see more fluctuation from NBA guys because they didn't get McDonald's All American, they didn't get Nike Hoop Summit, um, they have not been in practices um, the way that they typically would be going up to the season. Where uh, at, typically at this time of the year they would have more intel on players than they do. They have some obviously from from the high school basketball season, but this is a loaded freshman class. Uh, it's possible, Tony that there may not be a sophomore, junior, or senior that cracks the lottery um, this year. That's how loaded the freshman class is. Or maybe one, uh, maybe an international player um, that crack it, but it's really loaded. It's especially loaded at the top. I also, talking to NBA teams, was hearing in the neighborhood of five or six guys that they think could potentially go number one, and all of them potential tier one candidates, and we had zero in 2020. And so that's the strength of this draft. I want to spend this podcast just thinking about the guys who could potentially be number one picks um, in this draft. And this, look, this may change over time. It's still very early in the season. Uh, Most of these players we've seen play two, maybe three college games. A couple we haven't seen play at all yet because they're in the G League. And we'll talk about that when we get to that. But let's start with the guy who, if there's a consensus guy right now, 
And and I'm not sure that it's fair to say consensus. I'm not sure I got 50% of the teams that I talked to, though it wasn't a wide sample, who said, okay, this is the guy. But the guy that constantly comes up in conversation for the number one pick is Cade Cunningham, the 6'8", uh, point guard wing um, out of Oklahoma State. And uh, he's been described to me as one of the most complete basketball players to ever come into this draft. Um, tell me your thoughts uh, on Cade. Well, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, he's, you know, say, you know, a lot of people are seem to be torn on, okay, you know, do you play him at the point guard? Do you play him at the wing? To me, he's a point guard all the way. Um, you know, he's just, you know, in this era of, of dynamic ball handlers who could just make plays, you know, he's just a guy that you just want the ball in his hands to touch his hands on every single possession. So to me, he's a point guard all the way. Um, you know, he's the complete package. Um, you know, he's going to be able to get to the basket off the dribble. Um, he's, he plays with real pace and poise um uh he's got a nice little floater game uh he's his jump shot has improved to where uh he's a threat from beyond the arc and he makes plays for for others uh he you know he's a terrific pick and roll player uh he's a terrific isolation player uh he's a budding defender um he's just the guy for me that you know, not only the, the, the defining, you know, the defining attribute in this draft, let's, let's compare it to, to LaMelo Ball, right? You know, LaMelo Ball has superstar potential, but he also has a lower floor. And Kay Cunningham has absolute superstar, all-NBA potential, but he, his floor is high as well. Um, you know, if... If Kay Cunningham comes in and, and still plays to his floor, he's still going to be an all-star a couple of times in this league. That's, that's, how, that's, that's how talented he is. So, you know, he, he's, just, like, he's just a guy that I think that he's a franchise changer. He's a ceiling raiser uh, as well. Um, and and uh, he's a floor raiser. So, you know, I can't say enough good good things about him. I, I think that you know he's he's my number one uh, prospect for this draft, and and he's the one guy in this draft that I don't think has any weaknesses. Yeah, he's he's one on my board as well, Tony. Right now, and you know, I had one GM that said, "Imagine Lamelo Ball's ceiling with Tyrese Halliburton's floor." Um, right? We and, just said you know, that. You, huh? <laughs> That's good. He ticks every box. In a way that's so rare, um, you know, for a prospect, and and he's one of these guys that I think that the chances that he goes number one are high, in part because NBA GMs are risk adverse. They want to swing for the fences, but they're also risk averse. And this is one of those rare prospects where you get both. You can swing for the fences with him, but it's the chances that you strike out with this player are um, incredibly low. low. It, you know, one of the things that just really stands out to me in, in watching him uh, for the first couple of games at Oklahoma State is just the incredible poise. You can't speed him up. You can't slow him down. He is going to dictate the pace of the game. Um, he's constantly in his rhythm. Uh, and makes the defenses adjust to that. And 
you know, that is just an intriguing aspect for a player that's 19 years old. And for him to do that at the college level and for him to do that, I mean, if you watch Oklahoma State, there's not there's no real spacing in that offense. Um, so for him to do that, number one at the co- collegiate level, but number two uh, with the team that he has, uh, for him to still look as good as as uh, as he's looking, I think is uh, a more difficult feat than people realize. Um, you know, yeah, so- he's not at Duke or Kentucky, yeah, where he's surrounded by blue chip uh, p- players. I mean, right. every defense that plays against Oklahoma State is gearing their defense to stop Cunningham. And I don't think they're going to be very successful. No, I, I don't either. And it wouldn't be surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Oklahoma State is um, competing for the Big 12 title uh, this season. Um, and, you know, and, 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 that's, uh, and, and that's because, you know, of how good Kay Cunningham is. I mean, I, I really think that he's going to come in um, he's going to come in next season and, you know, really, um, really turn somebody around. Uh, he's, he's my favorite prospect probably since Anthony Davis in, in this draft. Uh, so to me, what are his weaknesses, Tony? Because he's 19 years old. He's not perfect yet. Um, as a prospect, if you were to point out, what area of concern that you would have as far as his games translating to the NBA level? Is there anything that really stands out for you? No. <laughs> and this is not to say that he's perfect because, I mean, everything that he, everything that, you know, he has, you can still refine it and you can still get better and, you know, you can still improve it. But um, there's nothing. Last year at this time, I would have said his jump shot. Um, but that's come along. Um you know, I would probably say right now that, uh, you know, learning how to defend at the NBA level is probably going to be his biggest adjustment. Um, probably, you know, but this is this is body and physical, but probably putting on another 10, 15 pounds of muscle uh, is, is, is something that that could, you know, that could happen or should happen or depending on how you look at it. But um in terms of uh, in terms of figuring how how to play the NBA game, uh, I I just I, I think he's going to be right there and be able to hit the ground running. It's um it's interesting. I, I hear all of those things. If there's one thing that just stands out to me, he's a good athlete. He's a really good athlete, but he's not an elite, super fast twitch um, athlete. And and if you start thinking about his ceiling in the NBA, and we're already thinking he's an all-star and maybe he's a franchise changer. Maybe that's the only thing that lowers his ceiling from being, you know, one of the, one of the greats um, in the NBA in my mind. Yeah. Seeing that, and that's the thing, even, even that, you know, he's going to be a point guard. So in, you know, his size for his position is, is going to be, so he's a better athlete than LaMelo Ball is. Um, you know, for comparison's sake, um, you know, but his, his size for his position, you know, I I just think that's going to negate, you know, any athleticism concerns. Now, maybe he gets to the NBA level and, and, you know, the lateral quickness prevents him from, 
from being a great defender, especially on point guards. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't have, I just don't have a glaring, like I can't tell you a glaring answer or what, what, what would really concern me. Maybe if the jump shot doesn't come along um, from this point, but, you know, through, through all uh, from, you know, everything that you hear, I mean, he's a hard worker and he works, you know, he works hard on his craft. So I just, I just don't know if there's a weakness um, that I can point out that, that I could, you know, legitimately say, oh, I'm really, really worried about this as he heads to the NBA. Okay, let's pivot to the guy that at least when talking to NBA teams, I hear next most in the conversation, Jalen Green. He's going to play in the G League um, this year on a new G League team, the Ignite. Uh, for those of you that haven't been following along, this 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 team is uh, a, an experiment of, of sorts uh, in the NBA where they are taking players directly from high school and they're putting them on the same team. Brian Shaw is going to be the head coach. Uh, they're already scrimmaging in Walnut Creek um, right now. There's a potentially three lottery picks uh, on this on this uh, G League team. And this is an interesting path. Last year, we had LaMelo Ball going to Australia. We had RJ Hampton going to New Zealand. Uh, this provides a, an option uh, for them to get NBA-level coaching uh, development um, at the G League level. It, it, it's also a risk. Uh, it's still not 100% clear uh, you know, what the G League is going to be up to this year, given COVID uh, and everything else. So certainly, they're going to try to make a go of it. Uh, but uh, the, he's a pioneer in a certain way of, of, of in a new way the NBA is trying to, to think about um, how to develop prospects that don't want to go to college um, for four years. I'm really excited to watch this team this year and see how they how they perform. What do you think about Jalen Green as a potential number one prospect? Um, well, I, I love him as a prospect. I mean, I think he's an absolute dog offensively. Uh, he's one of those relentless guys that that keep coming at you and keep coming. He does, and he doesn't in a loud way, right? Like you know, during the game that that Jalen Green is imposing his will on the game. And uh, that's that's something that I really like about him. Um, you know, six foot six. You know, nice wingspan. You know, nice plus wingspan. Really explosive uh, in the lane. Expo- explosive at the basket. Um, he's going to get into the NBA, and you know, he's he kind of in this sense, he kind of reminds me of a little bit of Corey Maggette, uh in terms of the ability to draw fouls. Um, you know, he's going to get to the foul line a lot. And when he gets there, he makes almost 80% of his free throws. Um, you know, he, he's somebody that, um, you know, can, can really overwhelm you offensively, uh, if you let him. um, you know, and, 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 and he, you know, I think that he's, he's somebody that that's going to get to the league and, and, you know, at his apex, he's going to be uh, a real plus scorer. Uh, at the NBA level. Now he does have some weaknesses, uh, you know, um, some, some kind of glaring stuff to me, uh, unlike Cade, but um, the way that I, I, his defining characteristic for me is that, you know, he just really imposes as well. Um, and he's, he's really relentless. And I, I really like that about him. One thing that a GM pointed to me which is is sort of strange is he's like you know the top of this draft 
is a little bit like 2020 in that you, you could compare Cade Cunningham in some ways to LaMelo Ball, but Cade Cunningham's just a better prospect for the reasons that we talked about. You know, maybe similar ceiling, but a much, much higher floor. And Jalen Green in some ways compares to Anthony Edwards, the live wire athlete um, that's going to be an explosive score. Uh, there are questions uh, about him uh, as well, but it does seem that Jalen Green's feel for the game, which was the big knock against you know Anthony Edwards coming out of Georgia, um, is higher. Um, he has a better um, skill level as a ball handler, as a separator, sees the floor a little bit better. Um, makes a little bit better decisions uh, with his shot selection. He's even a little bit bigger. And he's a little bit bigger. Um, But, you know, right there at the top, you're going to have, at least from kind of like physical and skill profiles, sort of similar players, but both of them with kind of similar ceilings, but but higher floors is one way to describe uh, Jalen Green. If, If he fails, what, what is the weakness that you think is going to be his kryptonite um, at the next level? Well, I think he's got to be a better shooter. Um, you know, now he, he obviously has to be a better shooter. Um, I think for uh, the type of player that he's, he's rounding into, which is, you know, somebody that just really just can take over a game off the dribble and beat you off the dribble, he's got to become a better ball handler. Um, he's, you know, he's a good ball handler. Um, but you know, when he gets to the NBA level, he's going to be playing against similar, similar and like athletes. Um, so he's going to have to tighten that up, uh, as well. Uh, I think he turns the ball over too much at this stage. Uh, you know, I know he plays off the ball, but you know, assist turnovers is going to have to get better because I think that he's going to be a guy, uh, that grades out to somebody who, who has the ball in his hand a lot. Um, so, you know, he's, I think he's going to also have to get a mid range game because everything right now for him is, uh, you know, you, you pull up or you shoot three or you get all the way to the basket and you're not going to always, he's not going to always be able to finish, uh, at the basket at the NBA level. So he's got to get some cerebral stuff to his game, um, 12 to 14 feet from the, from the hoop. So, um, you know, there are things that he has, there are things that he definitely has to work on, but um, he's, to me, he's a rock solid prospect. Um, and, you know, I think that his characteristics, um, you know, he, he, he really likes to play the game and he really wants to beat you and he really wants to dominate you. And I think that that competitiveness is, is, is really a positive uh, attribute for him right now. We're talking 2021 NBA draft at number one prospects in the draft. I'm with the athletics, Tony Jones, uh, who has been a great uh, partner with me in this podcast that as we got towards the end of 2020 draft, we're talking about some of these elite high school prospects that are now playing college ball or in G league. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of other freshmen um, that have made their mark early in the league. Evan Mobley out of USC, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. When we return, I'm a runner and every day, As I get to about mile eight or nine, my body starts to slow down. My muscles start tightening up. I need to break through a wall. And that's why I'm so excited about Built Bar's new product, Built Go, a solution to breaking through your wall. So what is your wall and what is Built Go? Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting. 
It's natural. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. You put it in your briefcase or your golf bag or your pocket to get throughout the day. It's the best workout gel on the market. And here's the thing, it is delicious. Much like the Built Bar, it tastes great. It has three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate milk. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine, better results, it's filled with protein, it's amazing stuff. So why don't you try it out? Visit builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. And I'm back talking with the Athletics' Tony Jones, 2021 NBA draft. Who could be possibly the number one picks in this draft? We've talked about Kate Cunningham uh, out of Oklahoma State. We just finished talking about Jalen Green, um, at, at, who's going to play in the G League Unite team this year. And one of the things I told you, Tony, is that I had a general manager that said, you know, it's sort of weird that at the top, this draft kind of looks a little bit like the 2020 draft with guys with similar high ceilings but higher floors. Let's extend it out uh, to the James Wiseman of this year's draft, which is Evan Mobley, uh, seven-foot center uh, playing out of USC, um, very similar size uh, profile, not not quite as big and strong as, as Wiseman is, uh, but e- e- extremely skilled uh, as well, I think, uh, maybe more skilled or further along um, than Wiseman was at this point at Memphis, uh, was at one time considered the number one prospect uh, in his in his uh, high school class. Um, didn't have the strongest of senior seasons. Um, and now is at USC and has actually looked pretty good um, in the early going for USC. So I am extremely impressed by Evan Mobley. And I'll tell you why. Because he's a lot farther along defensively than I thought he was. Um at least at the college level right now, he's a dominant defensive player and a dominant defense presence. Um, really good rebounder. Um, my hot take with Evan Mobley is that he doesn't grade out as a center to me. He grades out as a power forward um, because of how skilled he is. Uh, he's a guy that I think is going to be very comfortable playing with the ball in his hands, uh, playing, uh, facing the basket. Um, you know, facing up from 18 feet, beating guys off the dribble with his quickness. Um, he's got uh, really, um, he's really athletic for his size. Uh, he's a guy that can shoot the ball. Uh, he's unselfish. He makes plays for others. Uh, I just really think that he's a really terrific all-around prospect right now. Uh, I think he's farther along than James Wiseman at this stage. Um, you know, and I, 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 I also think that he's a, a guy that's a floor raiser and a ceiling raiser as well. Um, I think that he's got a chance to, to be a dominant player at the NBA level, whether it's at the, the, the power forward or at the center. 
at the center spot. But, you know, the fact that that he's able to play so much uh, with the ball in his hand, uh, I think is going to be uh, I think that's going to define him as he moves on in his career. That was uh, really interesting the other night playing UConn um, to see his ability to catch the ball at the top of the key um, and create off the dribble and get to the basket um, be able to post up, uh, got a little hook shot, shot that he does around the rim, can stretch the floor, um, just shooting the basket, catch and shoot, um, but is a dominant rebounder and, and, a, sh- and a very mobile shot blocker um, that can get out and defend. And I think you're right, Tony, that he probably projects as being able to play both the four and the five, depending on uh, you know what um, the opposing offense is, is, is bringing um, right now. Uh, he probably needs to, you know, work on his body. I'd say his frame is probably one of the things that, uh, you know, he still needs development on. But there's nothing about his frame that necessarily scares me too much that he's not going to be able to, you know, continue to add, you know, add strength to his game. And just just the passes that he's making, his his overall feel for the game seems really high. You know, it's interesting. The league is obsessed with wings, and this is a really really good draft for wings. And, you know, that's that's going to be the strength of this draft. But it, it makes me wonder, again, if if teams aren't sleeping because of that obsession with wings on on a player that really looks like as a as a seven footer can do it all. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I, I agree with you completely. He's got to add 20 pounds to his frame uh, right now. He's somewhere between 210 and 215. Um, but I think he will. Um you know, he's, he's going to get to the league and, you know, he's going to have like a personal chef and, you know, he's going to be able to add, um, add, add, um, weight and he's going to have to add strength. Um, but you know, like you said, I mean, this is a a wing obsessed league and this is in, in, in a lot of ways, Evan Mobley is your prototypical big man right now. Um, because he's going to be able to be an elite finisher at the NBA level, but he's also going to be able to to thrive in a in a five out style. I mean, I think he's a good enough ball handler that you can either that you can even dabble in big small pick and rolls with him as the ball handler. Um, if he if he proves that he can make good decisions out of it, um, you know, he's he's a guy that you know, doesn't have to, to, to uh, throw an outlet pass to a guard in order he can lead a break himself. Um, and I think that he's going to pretty easily be able to extend his range to NBA three point three, three point range. So, you know, he's, he's a real prototypical big man for me, uh, new age, 2020, 2021, big, big for me. Um, and, and I think that he's, he's going to be somebody, um, that at the height of his career, he's going to be a real matchup problem because uh, I don't think that the seven footers are going to be a, be able to 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 uh, deal with him the way he can uh, the way he can play on the perimeter, and I don't think that the six eight guys are going to be uh, able to deal with him in, in inside the lane. I know there was a little bit of a disappointment uh, in his senior season, and and some people kind of felt like he plateaued a little bit. Uh, maybe got a little bit bored, didn't show the development um, that they'd wished for. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's on the player and sometimes that's on the level of competition that you're playing at, at a high school level. You're so dominant that it's hard to get, you know, super motivated. Uh, and now that he's playing at a higher level, 
uh, in in college basketball. Man, he sure seems like he's he's locked in uh, to me, uh, and uh, I thought he was terrific uh, in that in that UConn game. Uh, I, I think he's just been terrific overall um, this, this season as well, and so uh, I, I'm very very high on on him. Um, it's very early on. But I think there's a strong argument to make uh, that after Cade Cunningham, this is the guy with the highest the the highest you know ceiling uh, of of the prospects in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't disagree. I mean, there there are you know there are a number of guys with real high ceilings, um, um, but you know I, I'm reasonably sure Evan Mobley is going to grade out as a double double guy uh, in the NBA even if he doesn't reach that ceiling. And that, those are the differences that we're talking about with this draft and, and uh, as opposed to the one that just passed. Like the franchise, you know, the, the pendulum for the franchise guys and in, 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 in the current rookie class swung swings so wildly. And these guys that we're talking about right now, we're like, yeah, man, well, this guy can be an all-NBA guy for 10 years. But if he's not <laughs> – He's going to be a good starter. Right? He's got a really good player anyway. And, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Like, and, and, I, and I think that this draft is, is really unique in that way. And that's what was so scary about the 2020 draft is you know. You, you and I just know. I mean, we're already, already looking. You know, Minnesota drafts Anthony Edwards, and then the way they load up in the offseason, you know, you wonder, you know, where he's going to get his opportunities and his ball. Uh, uh, Charlotte drafts um, – uh, Lamelo, and then they and then they signed Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. uh, right? And and you wonder even with some of these guys right now, it's it's we're gonna have to be really patient, right? Um, with the with the, with the twenty twenty draft, and you know James Wiseman's in Golden State, and we, we don't know exactly how they'll deploy him yet, or you know how they'll use him given given what they're trying to do, and you know it's gonna be different this this year uh, as as the teams that are drafting at the top are gonna feel like that they're getting potential franchise players and they're getting players that can contribute to them right away uh, with not a lot of risk uh, profile right now. Right. So let's talk about a guy that if I think there's, for me, if there's a guy that feels like he's a sure thing um, next to Cade Cunningham, uh, you know, I started watching Jalen Suggs uh, play uh, a bit and I was so intrigued by him. And, you know, I had a scout uh, early on, tell me he's the second coming of Brandon Roy. You watch Gonzaga versus Kansas in the opening game. You're you're talking about Kansas, who uh, is a is is a team that is going to grind on defense. Had the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, and, and Jalen Suggs looked like a four year senior out there, um, just just dominating uh, the game. I, I think that that on a lot of draft boards, people saw him as a, as a mid first round prospect. I think this guy's got a shot at going as the number one pick in the draft. And he, he certainly seems to me to be a for sure top five pick um, in the draft. What do you think of Jalen Suggs? Man, you talk about guys that, that is, it's going to be hard for him to miss. Like it's going to be very, very, very hard for Jalen Suggs to miss. Like if you draft Jalen Suggs, it's going to be very hard for you not to get a good player because he's so well-rounded. Um, 19 years old, has the body of a 25-year-old. Um, he plays like a 30-year-old, like he plays like an NBA veteran. Uh, terrific pick-and-roll player, terrific isolation player, very good defender. Um, 
you know, which stands out as a young guy. Um, he's, uh, he runs the point, uh, very smart and cerebral, but very athletic and explosive as well. So, you know, there's a real total package right there. Um, you know, he's just a great size for his position. Not Kay Cunningham size, but great size. I mean, he's 6'4". Um, creates for himself and others. Gets to the rim at will. Uh, can, you know, doesn't need to be in transition to get to the rim. Can get to the rim. Um, uh, can get to the rim in, uh, in, in the half court. To me, I, I'm, I'm, I'll probably take him. I, I think he's the second best prospect in the draft. Um, my top three prospects in order will be Kay Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, and, and Evan Mobley, uh, followed by Jalen Green. Um, but he's, he's just an, a well-rounded, all-around guy that, that I think is, is just going to be really – He's going to be really terrific. He he reminds me of Jason Kidd at the same stage. Um, Jason Kidd was, you know, kind of like that basketball savant at this age, at the same age as well. Tony, uh, that's weird. We 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 haven't shared our our top five with each other um, before, but mine my top four look exactly like yours right now. And you know, Suggs is Suggs to me like Cade seems like you said like a sure thing. He's a little bit more of a live wire than Cade is, but lacks the that lacks the you know the size that 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 Cade does, which is is probably the big difference right now. There were a lot of concerns about his shot coming in. Um, so far, it's looked quite good. He's been able to pull up from deep. His shot looks okay so far. Um, you know, we'll follow that. You know, throughout the season, it's a pretty small sample size right now. He gave us quite a scare uh, the other night. When it looks like he, it looked like he suffered uh, a really serious injury. It looked like it might have even been an Achilles injury um, at first when he went down. Um, and uh, you know everybody's holding their breath, and here he comes back into the game, limping, taking taking it back on the court. Mark Few pulls him aside and says, "Like I can't play you anymore if you're limping." And he just stops on a dime, limping. Yeah. Um, you know, on the court, and it's that sort of level of toughness and competitive fire. Yes, that I think is a is another factor that we often sometimes overlook when we're thinking about NBA draft prospects, but that general managers and coaches especially really care about. Right. Right. Do you love to win? That's question one. And do you hate to lose? lose. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's that's the second question. And when you watch this young man play, you can see it. Um, this is a hyper competitive player that that not only loves to win but hates to lose. Is willing to leave it all out on the floor, and and that's a skill in my mind um, in the NBA. That's a tough thing to teach, and it's something that earns you the respect of your teammates. It earns you the respect of your uh, of your coach. Um, and he just seems like he's going to be one of these guys. He's bigger, but you know there's. There's some just that swagger, uh, you know, some Damian Lillard there, um, you know, as well. Uh, Brandon Roy, I think, is is probably a good comp about for the size and, and strength and athleticism. And, you know, some of you say, well, you know, Brandon, Brandon Roy's career, had he not had serious knee injuries, um, you know, would be a, a completely different, um, a completely different animal here. Um, I, I think he is the dream, the dream guard. Uh, right for a, for a team uh, right now, um, and I and I love him as well. And if he went number one over Cade, I, I think that would be the most defensible 
Um, again, right now, what we know of of a pick, uh, other than anybody else going over K. Well, I mean, I think I think you said it right. Like, I think basically the big difference between Cade and and Jalen Suggs is that you know Cade's four inches taller. Um, you know, so basically, it's funny. You know, Jalen Suggs is probably Cade Cunningham four inches shorter, and Cade Cunningham is Jalen Suggs four inches taller. Um, you know, so. I I just think that those two are right now they've they've separated themselves a little bit, um, and you know it's especially you know the the thing with those two is their skill set is so coveted at this level. I mean, guys who are elite point guards who are elite off the dribble and, and can can um, create for themselves and others in this. Pace in space NBA, uh, it's it's just a uh, it's it's just a, an attribute that you cannot do without. Um, we just saw the clip, the Los Angeles Clippers uh, put Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor, and they could not get out of the second round of the playoffs because they did not have a dynamic play. They did not have a dynamic dynamic playmaker in the backcourt. You know, and that's just how important this stuff is uh, at the NBA level, where you can have a top five, a top three player and a top 10-ish player, and you're still relatively in trouble because you don't have uh, a floor raiser as, as a ball handler and a passer uh, coming, out of, coming out of one of those backcourt spots. So, you know, that's how important this is. Um, you know, and 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 I I think that that Caden and, and Jalen Suggs are are two guys that I think are going to be able to hit the NBA running. Okay, Tony and I competing for president of the Jalen Suggs fan club uh, <laughs> right now. I won't be surprised at all uh, if this continues within the next few weeks. If that's a consensus one two. Uh, uh, you know, picking the draft. If both of those players keep playing at the level that they're playing at right now, I think it's going to be hard for anybody else to catch them. And that we'll be talking about a consensus one-two um, guy in the draft. But it's early. We're only a few games into the season, and you know, Suggs already gave us a gave us a major injury scare um, early on, and so there's still a lot of basketball to be played. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few dark horses uh, for the number one pick uh, in the draft. Uh, there's less consensus about these guys, but certainly they have potential uh, to be number one picks in the draft. I'm with the Athletics' Tony Jones. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. The wait is almost over. The 2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA Podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, including us. Plus, waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division. From rejecting the screen, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. All 
And we are back talking potential 2021 NBA draft number one prospects. We've talked about Cade Cunningham. We've talked about Jalen Green. We've talked about Evan Mobley. We've fallen in love with Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Now I want to talk about a couple of other um, potential uh, dark horses uh, for that. And let's start with Kentucky's BJ Boston. So, you know, he's six foot seven, um, probably grades out as, as a shooting guard for me at the next level. Um, really crafty uh, with the basketball. Uh, I really like that. Uh, good ball handler. Um, uh, very long, uh, has a six foot 11 wingspan. Um, can he's, he's unique because, um, he's able to, um, to get his, um, off the dribble with the ball in his hand. And yet he's very good off the ball. He moves well without the ball. He's good in catch and shoot. Um, you know, so he's, 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 he's a good player. Um, I have some concerns about him, but um, from, for what he does really well, uh, it really translates. Um, and, and, and I think that he's a guy uh, that has, that has an, an all star upside. Uh, when it's all said and done. Because I agree with you. He's got all-star upside. He's got this creative, crafty, crafty game. But let's talk about the jump shot. So EYBL, before his senior year, he shot 40%. And, you know, EYBL is your premier, to me, it's your premier high school league. Um, so I'm not, I, I, I'm not really concerned. Uh, I think it's going to come around. I think he's playing on a very offensively deficient team. Uh, and I think that it's offensively deficient in a lot of ways. You know, they don't have the big play that they used to have. Um, and they don't have the guard play um, that they typically have uh, as, as well. With, with respect to my man, Devin Askew, I really, you know, I really think he's going to be a good prospect when it's all said and done. I'm just saying right now. Um, you know, so I think that he, I, I think that BJ's learning curve is is a little steeper right now. Like right now, I think he's like I, I think relatively, you know, he probably played on a better high school team than than you know talking about relative, not not you know not player for player, just relative to the competition. Uh, he probably played on a better high school team than he's playing with right now. So, um, you know. I, I think that he's he's got some some uh, some some real uh, adjustment uh, that has to to uh, um, to be ironed out. He's never been a guy that didn't turn the ball over a lot, um, you know. So he's you know there there are some things that he has that he has to figure out. But I'm not worried about the over eleven. I think the shooting is going to come around. Um, you know, and I think the game is going to come around. The thing that I'm worried about that I've seen from him right now is that, you know, there there were a couple of moments, yeah, especially in that Kansas game, that were just screaming for him, go get the basketball, go make a play, go take over this game. And, you know, he didn't. And, you know, he's he's got us on this Kentucky team, he's going to have to stop being so deferential because he's clearly the best player. He's clearly the best talent. Uh, go get the basketball, BJ, and go make some plays. Let's talk about uh, – there was a big deal made last year that neither Kentucky nor Duke 
uh, had a lottery prospect uh, in the 2020 draft. It looks like both of them are going to get one this year. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Duke's chance uh, to maybe have a guy that is a dark horse for the number one pick, Jalen Johnson, um, the 18 year old uh, forward um, out of Duke. It, this is probably a bigger dark horse than than BJ in a certain way. But there's been some things about his game early on, uh, and even even watching that Michigan State game, uh, even though his numbers didn't necessarily pop, he's a very intriguing prospect. Great passer. Just a great passer. Um, probably for me, you know, out of all of these guys, the third best passer after, after Suggs and Cunningham. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he's... He's a great ball handler, six foot nine, uh, six foot 10, six foot 11 wingspan, really good athlete, very skilled, very fluid. Um, to me, I mean, I think he can even play some point guard um, just because uh, of, of how good a ball handler he is. Uh, my question for him is he's going to have to improve his scoring chops. Uh, not only at the collegiate level, but especially, you know, as he makes his transition to the, to the NBA level, jump shot is going to have to come around. Uh, it's not there right now, um, but, you know, he's, he's very unique because of how well he handles the ball for, for, for his size and uh, how well he passes the ball for his size. He's got two defining NBA characteristics and, those defining NBA characteristics are coming in a six foot nine body. Number one is passing and number two is rebounding. He's an excellent, excellent rebounder on both ends of the floor. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got some, he's got a glaring weakness in it, which is his jump shot uh, and his overall scoring ability, but he does some things that really intrigue me. Put up 19 and 19 in his first game. Uh, which was uh, a big a big standout for him. And you're right. I think the jump shot, and that's what happened to him in, in the Michigan game, is they they shrunk the floor and and forced him to play on the perimeter. And when they forced him to play on the perimeter, his weaknesses started to show. Uh, and in the first half, when he was making plays for people and himself, um, he looked like a different prospect. And so that's going to be the biggest concern, I think, about about his game going forward and why he's a step below uh, you know, a, a Cade Cunningham, um, for example. First of all, I don't think he's quite the passer that Cade Cunningham is. But he, yeah, I think, I agree with you. This is a hyper intelligent, hyper high basketball IQ player who just does unique things for that, that for his size and his body that are going to be going to make him a, a mismatch problem in the NBA. And and, and a guy that I, I think will go high. I. I, I don't really, unless he really starts sinking jumpers, uh, I don't think you know we're going to see him pass Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley. Uh, but I could see him as a top, you know, five, six, seven pick in this draft. So I'm going to make a comparison, right? And I don't want you guys to kill me for it because this is going to be a really lofty comparison. And, that, and I will explain the differences, but I just want to make the comparison, okay? Uh, Jalen Johnson reminds me a little bit of Grant Hill at Duke. Wow. 
See, there you go. You just said, wow. The, the first thing that's, out of that's a mouth. That's a big comp. The first thing you out know of I'm gonna, I'm going to snip at this out, Tony. <laughs> this is the part that I'm going to snip out and put on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Johnson equals Grant Hill. Okay, give us, give us your caveats now. He has some Grant Hill characteristics. Like Grant Hill was came to Duke. He was an excellent pass. Six foot eight, six foot nine. Terrific passer. Terrific ball handler. Okay. Now there are some differences. Now and the, and the and the other thing is Grant Hill couldn't shoot a lick when he first came to Duke. Um, but by the time he left Duke, he could really shoot the basketball, especially from mid range, fifteen to eighteen feet. So here are the differences. Okay, Jalen Johnson is nowhere near the defender that Grant Hill was at the same age. Like people don't realize that Grant Hill was an elite, elite defender. Um, almost from the jump. And that's why he played 35 minutes. He was playing 35 minutes a game as a freshman by the end, uh, by the end of his freshman season. Um, and also uh, Jalen Johnson is a good athlete, but Grant Hill was just, he was a sensational athlete. He was an over the top athlete. Um, so those are the two differences. He's not the defender. He's not the athlete. But in terms of being six foot nine, being able to, to, you know, handle the ball the way he does, being able to pass the ball the way, way he does it. Like I look at him and I can just kind of see some Grant Hill in him. Now I'm not saying that he equals Grant Hill. <laughs> you know, there's no nuance uh, when we talk about draft, Tony, come on. As soon you as know, this gets not, to Twitter. I'm going to get away with this. <laughs> no. Um, I like the courage. That's what I like right here, right? Because this is so early on, and you know we're talking about we're talking about eighteen and nineteen year olds um, right now, and you know people ask all the time, you know why why do you get so many things wrong in the draft? And I'm like, you know, the first thing I'll say is, look, I'm talking about eighteen and nineteen year olds. Um, I'm a college professor. I work with eighteen and nineteen year olds all the time, and 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 I'm an expert in like my my profession um, that I teach. And it's also hard for me to predict exactly what their careers are going to look like either, um, you know, going on because there's so many factors here, right? And there's so many, and in all these areas, things that they have to improve on, you know, those caveats that are there. But I, I like seeing the potential in players because I think that's where sometimes scouts make a mistake is they are hyper-focused on what they can't do. And instead of looking at what they potentially could be. Um, down the road and then how do you get him there and one of the things again that we've been talking about in this pod that's so exciting about a Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs is they're they're kind of already there right like they're kind of already at that space where it's much easier to project where they're going to be and for some of these other players um, we've got to do a little bit more let's talk about one last guy I'm not saying these are going to be the only guys that are going to be in consideration uh, for the number one pick but one more guy Super dark horse, if you will. Will he's playing at Stanford? Uh, Zaire Williams. You know, Zaire is a a lot. He's a lot like BJ Boston for me, right? Like, um, you know, he's, um, you know, a they were they were high school teammates last year, but you know, six foot eight, really really nice talent. Uh, six foot eleven wingspan. Um, real really good bounce. I really like that I, I like that I'm, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I like that he's toughing through uh, his knee injury um, because it shows like, you know, just like 
Jalen Suggs, it shows a competitiveness that he has uh, in him. And it, and it kind of belies his frame because, you know, he's like 200 pounds soaking wet right now. Um, you know, he's another guy that draws fouls at a really good rate. He, he plays hard on both ends of the floor. I think he's, he's, uh, he's going to be a two-way wing. He can shoot the ball. Um, he handles contact really well for a guy his size. Uh, he plays through contact really well for a guy that that's, that's as, as, as I don't want to say frail, but not as filled out as he is. Uh, he's a tough kid. I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, um, great defender, especially help side. Really good help side defender. Reads the game well. Uh, I think he's going to be a really – has a chance to be a very good player uh, at the NBA level. Uh, can really shoot the basketball. Um, I think he's, he's uh, going to, to grade out uh, off the dribble pretty well as well. So I think you're looking at a, a six foot eight, six foot nine, really versatile wing, a guy that can do it both offensively and defensively. Uh, I think it's going to take him a little bit longer than some of the others. Um, but I think that by the time uh, he gets to that 23, 24, 25 year old stage, uh, he's, he's going to be a lot to deal with. He's your prototypical NBA wing. Uh, he he fits the mold of exactly what NBA teams are looking for, his ability to defend multiple positions, to play multiple positions on offense. Um, like you said, he's a, he's a very good athlete as well. There's so much to the package. Uh, strength is certainly going to be an issue for him as well. Um, he, he's another player that's going to have to develop physically um, over time, and I think that's going to help his game. Uh, when he when he gets physically stronger, I think he's he's a guy that right now projecting him in the league is going to get overwhelmed. Another just super high basketball uh, basketball IQ two way uh, player that can do so much, and that's that's the other thing that I think is exciting for teams about this draft is again in the position that teams want the most versatile. Um, wings that can handle the ball, um, that can can get it done on both ends of the court. We've got a lot of players that we're talking about um, that fit that mold, and I think that that's going to be um, what's exciting uh, about this draft. Tony, I, it's been a pleasure uh, to to talk about some of these guys. We'll have you back in a month or so uh, once we've dove, dove deeper into the college basketball season to update our thoughts. And certainly there's going to be a player or two uh, that isn't a freshman that's going to rise. And, and there's always a surprise or two. Obi Toppin was the, you know, the big surprise last year and, and how he elevated. And so we'll have more, more players to talk about as we get further along the draft. But really appreciate all your insight and work um, as we start breaking down the 2021 NBA draft. Thank you so much for having me, as always. As always. It's Tony Jones of The Athletic. Uh, check out his column on The Athletic. Uh, not only does he do great work in covering the Utah Jazz uh, on The Athletic, but uh, he is, in my mind, one of the best in breaking down these young prospects and thinking about the draft as well. Um, we'll be back uh, next week uh, talking about other lottery prospects uh, again, we're going to be talking about mostly freshmen in the 2021 NBA Draft. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.